May I speak to you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. According to the streaming music service Spotify, the perennial number one song on the Christmas hit list, you guessed it, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You, was streaming more than two and a half million times a day, the day before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Which is to say that out there, it's been Christmas for some time now. But in here, it's still the second Sunday of Advent. Like so much of what we do in the church, our observance of the Advent season is countercultural. For example, I don't think I've ever seen an Advent section in a greeting card display before. And there's probably good reason for that. If we were to imagine what an Advent card might look like based on this morning's gospel, it would perhaps have emblazoned across the front in large capital letters the word repent. And on the inside, we might discover a depiction of a camel hair clad prophet eating bugs dipped in honey. And his message to us might be something like, you brood of vipers, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Happy Advent. (laughs) Happy Advent indeed. There's no doubt about it. The themes and images of Advent challenge us. The Christmas image of baby Jesus in the manger gives us feelings of warm comfort and nostalgia. Meanwhile, Advent serves us the end of the world, the second coming of Christ, and this wilderness-dwelling, locust-eating prophet, John the Baptist. It's no wonder that the world at large starts singing Christmas songs in November and ignores this Advent prophet. But as Advent-keeping Christians, we cannot ignore John the Baptist or his message of repentance if for no other reason than he appears in all four Gospels. Simply put, there is no Jesus without John the Baptist. Now, it helps us to remember that John the Baptist had one overarching single purpose and mission, which was to announce the coming of Christ's kingdom and to prepare the way for it. So that means if we hear his message of repentance as anything other than good news, we have misunderstood him. Certainly his message was good news to those who first heard it. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that his message brought all the people of Judea flocking to the banks of the Jordan River. Surely it was a message of freedom and liberation that brought them there. So then, what is it about repentance that they understood that we've somehow missed? Well, for many of us, the word repentance conjures feelings of guilt and shame. It's a loaded word. But the act of repentance should not mire us in self-loathing. Nor is repentance solely about confessing our sins. The original Greek word for translated repentance is metanoia. So meta meaning change, as in metamorphosis, 
and noia, which means mind. See, the original meaning of this word was literally to change one's mind, but not like to change your mind about what you're going to eat for dinner. This is a change of mind that brought in a whole new way of seeing, a transformation, a spiritual conversion. As Bishop Rowan Williams reminds us, when the Bible uses the word repentance, it doesn't mean beating the breast. It means getting a new perspective. So John the Baptist's command to bear fruit worthy of repentance is heard as something like bear fruit worthy of a new perspective, bear fruit worthy of a change of mind. Or as one Bible translation says, let your lives prove your change of heart. In our lives together at St. Paul's, there are many pathways to repentance, many ways to experience transformation, conversion, to get a new way of seeing. But there's one that I observed recently that I'd like to share with you now. As many of you might know, St. Paul's was a founding member of Greater Cleveland Congregations, often called GCC, a consortium of more than 30 faith communities who work together to effect positive social change in Greater Cleveland. And right now, GCC is highly focused on raising awareness about a particular injustice that threatens young people in our wider community. And it's a judicial practice known as a discretionary juvenile bindover. When a youth is bound over, they are transferred from the juvenile justice system to the adult court system, which often leads them to adult prisons. And this practice deprives children as young as 14 of all access to the rehabilitative services that are the cornerstone of the, ju of the juvenile justice system. Cuyahoga County's use of discretionary juvenile bindovers is the highest in the state, and those subject to this practice are overwhelmingly young black men, underscoring the racism that is so deeply embedded in our criminal justice system. This past week, I was emailing with a St. Paul's parishioner about her participation in GCC's work and the new perspective that it has given her. And with her permission, I'd like to share a brief part of her reflection for you now. She writes, I've learned how so many of us see these young boys as someone to fear someone to avoid, maybe even someone who should be locked up in prison. Only when we change our perspective can we see a frightened, lonely, struggling boy longing to be loved and made safe. Instead of seeing these children as a threat, maybe we can see them as young people who desperately need help. In the act of repentance, she writes, we see them differently. We come to see them as God sees them. This coming Tuesday, we have an opportunity to gather with other faith communities at Olivet Baptist Church to, to gain a new perspective, to shine a light on this injustice, and to begin working for change. And you can find more information about this in Sunday Notes. When John preached to us last week, he reminded us that Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season when God bids us 
to the careful practice of watching and waiting. And in Advent, we wait for many things. We wait to greet the Christ child once again at the manger. We wait for Christ to come again, to consummate his kingdom and to make all things new. We wait for that day when the wolf shall live with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. That day when all children and young people can flourish and thrive. But this Advent waiting, again, as John reminded us, is not passive waiting. We do not sit on our hands. While we wait, we bear witness to the coming of God's kingdom. When we gather at Olivet Baptist Church on Tuesday seeking God's justice, I trust that we will get glimpses of God's kingdom breaking through. For as our prophet Isaiah reminds us, it begins with a shoot emerging from a lifeless stump. I trust that when we gather, we will get glimpses of the kingdom of heaven breaking through even now. As we bear fruit worthy of repentance, we come to see the power of God in Christ to reconcile a broken world. So I ask you, what are you waiting for? On this second Sunday of Advent, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness is calling us to repentance. If we heed his call, I trust that we will discover that the kingdom we are waiting for is nearer than we realize. Amen.